Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says, The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. I want to be right. <laughs> do you want to be right? <laughs> I do. Uh, on April 14, 1865, Abraham Lincoln signed into legislation the Secret Service. A few hours later, he was shot. He was assassinated. People say, well, where was the Secret Service? Well, it was formed that day, but it never was meant to protect the president. It was signed in the legislation. Do you know why? To counter, because one third of the currency that was going around in that day, at least one third, up to a half, was counterfeit. So it was signed into legislation so that they can catch counterfeit money. It originally was not intended to protect the president. A counterfeit, you know what that is? It's a copy. A counterfeit has no right and it has no authority, but it does have an intent to deceive. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. There are some that are purposefully out to try to deceive you and I, and then there are others because they are deceived. By default, they just go on deceiving others. It might not even be a bad intent. But you've got both. We've got both we have to deal with. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ has a counterfeit. He has a great counterfeit. and His name is Santa Claus. We were at the Christmas parade and we pulled in and they set us up and we were the last one. Except we weren't. We had to be removed because the last one was Santa Claus coming in. And so he was right there and he came up to me and he said, do you know who I am? And I said, yes, you've been counterfeiting Christ for a long, long time. And that's what we're up against. We're up against a counterfeit Christ. Uh, let me just give you this thought. There's this rearranging of letters to change words. It's popular in the occult and satanic worship, and it's called anagrams. And Satanists, they will conceal the occult by the use of anagrams, and you can simply deceive just with the name, Santa. Don't look at the name, look at the letters. You can rearrange them, Satan. Bible says, then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. I'd like you to get in your Bible, Isaiah chapter 14 and Psalm chapter 48. Psalm 48 and Isaiah chapter number 14. Clause is an anagram. You change the letters, you come up with Lucas. You know what Lucas is new age code for? Lucifer. 
The occultist Alice Bailey started the Lucas Trust Company. Ironically, it's located on the United Nations Plaza in New York City. That's quite interesting in and of itself. But you know, it was originally called Lucifer Publishing Company. They just put it right out there. You know how they explain it away? Well, it really just means Lucas, Lucifer. It's the same root word, light or light bearer, which is interesting because 2 Corinthians tells us, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Look at Isaiah chapter number 14, verse number 12. The Bible says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. That's what the deceptor says. Uh, I left out a little verse there at the end. What does it say at the end, at, at the last part of verse 13? In the sides of the north. You know what the great counterfeit Santa Claus, you know where he comes from? The North Pole. Well, isn't that ironic? Go to Psalm chapter number 48. Psalms 48. Psalm 48, verse number one, the Bible says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. In the morning of his holiness. I'm telling you, this morning... Every morning that you wake up, praise God. Give glory to God. Praise God. Verse number two, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. I'm telling you, Santa Claus is a fraud. Zechariah 2 says, ho, ho, come forth and flee from the land of the north saith the Lord. You know what Santa Claus says when he rides in? Ho, ho, ho. He's just got to add one more in because he's always trying to outdo the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the American idol. He's the great counterfeit. And I don't want to have any part of him. James chapter number one. These kids, they're allowed to decorate the school with Santa Claus. They're allowed to decorate the school with elves and reindeer, but they can't mention the name of Jesus Christ. It's blasphemous in the way it's set up. How dare a church have a Christmas play and at the end bring in this fat-bellied red devil to give gifts to the little kids. The grand finale is Santa and not Jesus Christ. The whole thing's fooey. James chapter number one, please. We need an invitation to Jesus Christ. He's the grand finale. James chapter number one. Verse number 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What happens when the kids finally find out that Santa isn't the one that's giving them gifts? How are they going to read James chapter 1 and be convinced that Jesus Christ, the giver of gifts, isn't a phony as well? We've got to be careful what we teach our kids. 
Children don't grow up wanting to learn about Santa Claus. They're taught by parents. They're taught by teachers. Stay away from strangers, except when we go to the mall, we're going to have you sit on a stranger's lap and tell them what you want. That's weird. We did the carpet downstairs, and the guy that did the carpet, he came, and we got to talking and talking to him about Jesus. And he said that his, his mother was very, very strict on him with telling lies. And that was one thing that got under her skin more than anything else is if one of her children lied. So he's telling this story and he said, I finally, one year I'm in the closet and I look up and there's, there's Santa paper and there's presents and there's toys. And he said, I finally put two and two together. He said he was about nine or 10 years old. And so he runs out into the kitchen where his mother was. And he said, mom, you lied to me. You're, you lied to me. And he said his mother took her hand and back smacked him right across the mouth. You don't ever talk to me like that again. They went on to tell about how he was so hurt when he found out that his mother had lied to him about who was bringing gifts. But it hurt that little boy so much because his mom made such a big deal about lying. And then that was slipped in. We've got to be careful how we deal with little children's hearts. They're very susceptible and they can spot out hypocrisy a lot better than you and I would think. I'm telling you, the Bible says he ascended up on high. He led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Every single one that is born into the family of God by the blood of Jesus Christ were given spiritual gifts. by God to be used for his glory. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I would submit to you this morning that if you have not received the gift freely given by the Lord Jesus Christ of eternal life today, this morning would be a great day to receive that gift. It's an eternal gift. And the Lord offers it to whosoever will. Our world is so full of paganism that people want to just try to avoid it. And I understand messages like this. Well, why do you have to be so negative? Because people walk around with their heads in their cloud in the cloud. They don't want to know. And good preachers are afraid to touch these things because somebody's going to get upset. And my intent, I don't want to upset anyone, including the Lord. And all of his word must be preached. The days of the week have been inculcated with Santa Claus idolatry. Wednesday, Odin or Woden. Woden's day comes from the day of Odin, who the tree itself is Odin's tree, and the branches give life. It's a pagan god that's associated with the winter solstice, among other ways of worship. Tuesday is Tyr, who is the god, it's the 
It's the son of Odin who owns Wednesday, Tier or Tuesday. Monday, it's the day of the moon for moon worship. Sunday, the day of the sun for sun worship. And they ain't worshiping the son of God. They're worshiping the son that our God created. There's a difference. Saturday is Saturn's day. You ever hear the phrase, happy Saturnalia? I came from New Jersey, and one year the pagans got together and they put some money up. And they put a sign at one of the major corners. They put it up at Thanksgiving, and they ran it through the winter. And it says, let's keep Saturn in Saturnalia. They got a message to get across to this world. Saturn's day. Happy Saturnalia, they say. Schools are closed. Courts are closed. You know what people do? They gamble. They drink. They make merry. And they exchange gifts. Saturnalia has always been a pagan festival celebrated around the winter solstice by Roman pagan people. Friday. Freya. Or Friday. You know who Freya was? The wife of Odin. I'm not telling you to not call the days what they're called. I'm just telling you, we look, we are we are in this world. We have to live here. But we shouldn't be of it. Which brings me to Thursday. Thor's day. Yeah. The pagan god Thor must be worshipped, and he was the most worshipped pagan god, and Thor blended into, guess who? Santa Claus, the great counterfeit. Thor's element was fire and lightning. Bible says, Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Thor means thunder. The name of the hammer that he is holding, it means lightning. He's a Germanic god with a long white beard. Get Revelation chapter number one and Isaiah chapter 50, please. Revelation one. And Isaiah chapter number 50. We all know who else has white hair and a long white beard. The song goes, his drool little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. Let's read Revelation chapter number one, verse number 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to foot and girt with, about with paps and a golden girdle, his head and his hair were white as wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as the flame of fire. Beard is white. Because he's counterfeiting in every single way he can. The Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 6. The Bible says, in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. All these kids line up. Lines to see Santa. They sit in his lap. They look up at his beard. 
and they're just pulling his beard. Oh, Santa, I want this. I feel like going by and saying, they took Jesus Christ. They pulled out his beard on his face. Anything to get the focus off of the Lord. Counterfeiting money is no different than counterfeiting Christ. You make it look innocent. You make it look real. And you tweak just a few things. And you get people. It's the same deception in the garden. It's the same deception with false religion. You throw in enough truth. You tweak one or two things. And it sets the whole ship. Sinking it down. In Scandinavia on December 25th. They would have a fireplace as an altar. Thor or Thursday. Thor. He would come down by chimney to his altar with gifts. And you know what they called him? Center cloths or cloths of the cinders because he was singed as his feet touched the ground of the fireplace. Where does Santa come down? Revelation 1, hope you're still there. Verse number 15, Revelation 1, verse 15. And his feet, the Lord Jesus Christ that's speaking of, like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. Every single way you try to cut it or slice it, Santa Claus is the great counterfeit, the American idol that people look to, and is counterfeited in every way, the Lord. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Thor, he rides in a chariot. Santa rides in a sleigh. Up until 1820, you know what Santa was riding? A white horse. You know what uh, Greek mythology is said to pull Thor's carriage? Two white goats. Guess what their names are? Nasher and Cracker. Yeah, I thought the little ones would like that. Sound familiar, kitties? <laughs> Revelation chapter 19, verse number 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he sat upon him that was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. In the Netherlands, they call him Sinterklaas. And he rides on a white horse. And he delivers presents to little children as they line up their shoes in front of, guess what? The fireplace. I'm not telling anybody to get rid of their fireplace or their wood stove. I'm submitting to you to get rid of the red-bellied pagan troll that is supposed to bring gifts. Receive the gift of eternal life if you have it. If you have, get rid of the idol. Revelation 19 and Isaiah chapter number 63. Stay in Revelation 19. And get Isaiah chapter number 63. Santa returns every year. We all know what color he wears when he returns. He wears red. Isaiah chapter number 63. And Revelation chapter 19. We'll do Revelation 19 first. I'm sure you know by now when Christ returns, what color he's wearing. Revelation 19, verse number 
13, and he was clothed with the vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's Christ's second coming, by the way. And in Isaiah chapter number 63, let's look at that. Isaiah 63, look at verse number two. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? Pretty ironic. The colors match. Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Millions of children will sing that song. He's making all this, checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. No, he's not, because he's not real. He's a devil. He's a red-clothed pagan devil. And all of these children that sing that song, can you repeat John 3, 16? Well, no, what's that? Do you know who Jesus Christ is? No. Look, you can't make pictures of the Lord, but those that have tried and have put that up in the picture of Santa Claus, you know who most of the kids identify? Santa. You were to bring those two pictures into public school, you would have an uproar in the town. How dare, how dare you try to get rid of Santa Claus? How dare you try to get rid of him, parents? But it's okay to get rid of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's okay to not pray to the living God every morning in school. You know why? They hate God. They hate Christianity. And I'm telling you, the church is the pillar and ground of truth. You want truth? You've got to be in Christ's body, the church. Revelation 20. Verse 15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's why this message is being preached. Because you don't want to be on Santa's list. You want your name written in the book of life. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Well, Proverbs 15, verse number uh, three says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. I'm going to tell my child to be good for goodness sake. How about be good for God's sake? How about be good because God is so good? Your parents and teachers and aunts and uncles, your children. Now you behave yourselves. Santa's come. Santa's watching. You can't coerce. You can't arm twist. You can't beat over the head most adult Christians to live a good, clean, holy life for God. Yet all you have to say to a 10-year-old is, well, you better be good. Santa's coming. Are you kidding me? The Lord Jesus Christ, who came and died in a manger for your sin and for mine, 
And we're going to be good because some fat guy's coming to give us gifts. The whole thing's a mockery of God. Sinterklaas. Throw all that stuff in the fire, burn it. People are worrying about Santa judging them. The Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead that is appearing in his kingdom. Going back to Thor, he's depicted as having a hammer. We all know who else has hammers, carpenters. Mark 6, 3 says, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? They build these little toys. And the fake carpenter replaces the true and one and only carpenter. Get 1 Corinthians 15, if you will. You can't forget that Santa has elves, which should give it away that it's pagan. Elves are spirit beings. Elves obey all of Santa's commands. Uh, elves are devils. And just like Lucifer, Lucifer took fallen angels or fallen devils with him. Santa does the same. First Corinthians chapter number 15. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of the Lord. You know how we can show our love for our Savior? By obeying his commands. And his commands aren't grievous. People say, I love the Lord. You show them something in the Bible to live for the Lord. And they say, well, I don't want to do that. Yet you tell a child, well, be good. Santa's coming. Oh, okay. I mean, it might only last for 10 minutes, but you can keep throwing that card out. What am I saying? We've got our priorities mixed up. With the word of God helping me, word of God helping you, with the word of God helping us, I want to live more for God. I want my eyes fixed on somebody that I can follow that isn't going to deceive me, that isn't going to disappoint me. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, an elf's a devil, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread, except you do if you've got your faith. And that, 1 Corinthians 15, a wink of an eye. Look at verse number 51, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. This is happening at the rapture of the church. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. You know how Santa comes? At the twinkling of an eye. You know how this church is going to be raptured? Like the twinkling of an eye. It could happen now. And gone. The trumps shall sound. And his name isn't the dog. <laughs> and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Isn't it interesting that Santa comes back every year? He doesn't seem to die. He seems to be eternal. He seems to be immortal. So when this corruption shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, 
Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you got in the victory of Jesus Christ? Are you on the winning side? The victory has been won at Calvary. Sin has been defeated. Therefore, my brethren, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, how can you be always abounding and unmovable? Because unmovable doesn't mean you're just going to stand still and do nothing. It means you're not being moved away from the truths of the doctrines of God's word. But Christians haven't been unmovable. They've been moved into fantasy. They've been moved into fairy tales. They get excited about things we ought not get excited about. Oh, Santa's coming. Oh, we're going to have an egg hunt. Oh, we're going to have this. Oh, we're going to have that. Thank you, young people. Thank you for all the witness efforts you did over these parades. And I want to commend you because it is a blessing to have the youth of the church singing hymns to the Lord, giving out gospel tracts, and telling people about Jesus. Keep it up. Amen. And I praise the Lord for you. And I'm proud of you for all the hard work you've labored for the Lord. But everything we do, it should be for the Lord. The kids had a great time. They did their piano recital. And I, was, I was telling my kids, I said, always play for the Lord. Don't play for applause. And the, each song, they, you know, they clap and they give applause. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. All I'm saying is it's just easy to get caught up in applause. Oh, I'm good. Man, I'm, I really play, play for the Lord. Don't play for applause. And that goes for everything we do in our life. It doesn't matter what it is. Don't let the applause go to your head. Don't let the applause go to my head. Got to be careful where our priorities are. Where were we? Oh, the last verse. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Right. So for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you want to get excited about something, get it excited about doing something for God. Well, I work too much. Well, cut back your hours. Well, I won't get as much money. That's okay. God will fill the void. Well, I don't work and I just get money off the government. Well, go work some more hours and, and do that for the Lord. <laughs> right? I mean, it goes both ways. People, they just, they overwork. They just work themselves to death and they have no money or they have no time for their family or for a church family or to witness. Or, but they got all this money. And on the other side, you have people, they just don't want to do anything. They want to work, just wait for the government to give them, uh, you know, money in the form of, well, you know how the forms come. It's hush money. They want you to keep taking the money and be quiet and vote for me. Which is what it is. This won't. They, they just don't want to do any type of work. And then call up churches and say, "Hey, can you give me some money?" No. I always ask them, "Where do you go to church?" 
and they never do. And I say, well, you can come here, and the grass needs to be mowed. Well, I don't want like, here. You can come here. We'd love to meet you. And if there really is a need, the church would be glad to help you. And you know, church, we've done that before. If there is a need that a brother or sister has, you want to come and maybe sweep the, uh, the outside has to be blown off and the carpet needs to be uh, vacuumed. You want to do that? We'll give you some money. No. We need to be abounding in the work of the Lord, not deceived and getting ourselves into things where we've been moved. We should be unmovable. And our labor is not in vain if it's for the Lord. If it's for the Lord. Matthew 25. I have to behave myself. You know, as much as I want to just run up to Santa, we go down the square and they got this big long line to see the Grinch. They got this big long line to see Santa. And as much as I want to just go and say, that's a fall, that's a fake, that's an idol. Why are you so excited about that man? That's not why we're there. We don't go out publicly to preach against what people are doing. We go out publicly to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to be reminded of that as much as you do. Because as much as I'd like to just, that's not, it's out of line. It's out of line. We go out with one message to preach the gospel. You'd be preaching against specific sins your whole time, and you would never tell people that Jesus died for them. So we need to get our, I need to make sure I keep my priorities straight. We as a church do as well. But Matthew 25, uh, you know, Santa, he never sits on a chair. It's always a really nice throne. Doesn't matter if it's in the mall or the square. He, he's Matthew 25. And the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Everything about him. Every aspect of what he is for. His, fine, his primary focus is on children. Why are you hanging out at the mall dressed up in a funny suit trying to attract children? We usually call the cops on people like that. Yet parents come willingly. And you're luring children with candy. You're luring children with presents. Somebody call the cops. Who would try that? You just maybe not as a church. Just somebody as an individual. You know, you get your little GoPro and you film it. <laughs> it won't go over well. They think you're a nut. Yet, just usher in the big claws. Well, Santa's here. Do you mind if we have one of the men from the church just tell a little bit about Jesus Christ when Santa takes a lunch break? Well, no, we couldn't do that. Well, why not? I'll tell you why. Because they don't like Christians. That's why. They'll give time for Santa, but they won't. They'll give an. They'll give a whole day for Santa. They won't give an hour for a preacher. That's the world that we live in. Mark ten, Bible says, and they brought young children to him, that he should touch it, should bring children to Christ. They should be touched with the love of Christ. They should know that he is the one. That can give them a gift that lasts eternally. And, the, and, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. When Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, 
Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, tell me that isn't just a clear picture of what's going on. All the kids lining up and so excited to get up on December 25th. Jesus said, why don't you just come to me? Why don't you just come to me? Why don't you get excited about me? I'm telling you, church, that's why we're trying so, so hard. Tom and I were talking about this before church. You know, there's so many stripes of this and that, and denominations that we want to be, best we know how, Bible believers. We want to believe the Bible because if we fall in love with the author of this book, the author of this book, like children are falling in love with Santa Claus, we can change this entire town if we just do one thing, fall in love with the author, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is somebody that is worth all of our praise. Get Matthew chapter number four. A few more and we'll be done. Matthew chapter number four. Santa wants all the little boys and girls and their parents, by the way, to bow down to him. Matthew chapter number four, verse number nine. Matthew four, nine. The Bible says, and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. This is Satan. This is the devil tempting the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, Jesus answers him in verse number 10. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. I'm not going to bow down to a fat-bellied pagan pig who is trying to get, you think, in Scandinavia, that's what they would do. They'd ride around on a pig. And the, and, and the pig, you know what they do? They'd kill the pig, and then eternal life, the pig would come back to life the next day. What? How can anybody believe that? You will believe anything if you get away from the truth of God's word. You look around at this world and say, how in the world can somebody believe? How can a little boy believe he's not a boy? How can a little girl believe he's not a girl? Because you will believe anything if you throw out the truth of God's word. It's so hard for us to understand that because we want to know what the Bible says. It's an old Norse religion. Sacrifice the pigs to the gods. They keep supplying meat for the winter season. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, forever. There's someone that truly doesn't change. And there's someone that truly is eternal. And there's someone that truly never ages. He's for, he's for eternity. You can, you can mark it down, Christ. Is all you need. And Santa portrays himself as the eternal. He never ages. He's ageless. Nothing's impossible with Santa. You just write your letter, letter, little kids. You just put it in the big thing at Lowe's. And my kids ask me, Dad, where in the world do those letters go? They go in the trash, kids. <laughs> all the kids line up putting their little, I want this for Santa. I want this. I want this. I want this. And all of a sudden it shows up. You know, the 16-year-old gets the big car. And dad's broke and mom's got no money. But hey, nothing's impossible with Santa, you know. <laughs> Parents will buy anything for their kids to have them keep their faith and say, if you're 16, still believing in Santa, you're going to need some counsel. <laughs> the Bible says, for with God, nothing is impossible. You see that, you know, you see the boy 
or the girl that's just living an awful sinful life. And you say, uh, man, God, how can God save that person? We ought not say that. God can save anybody. Nothing's impossible. I heard some of the music last night at the concert. This one boy, his teenage boy playing, just reminded me of me. And all this, you know, rock guitar, you know, metal, whatever you call it, music. I just remember, I said to my, I said, you know, that was me. That was me. God saved me. So never look at anybody and say, well, it's impossible for them to get right. It's impossible for that person to get saved. No, you give them the gospel. They are saved, and you say it's impossible for them to get right. Why don't you just get your heart right, pray for them, and do all you can to encourage them to go on for the Lord? Every single one of us has a past. Every single one of us has sinned. Every single one of us has something that we can point to and say, man, it'd be impossible for God to save me. But God, because he did save you, if you've trusted him. If you haven't trusted him, he wants to save you. Mark chapter number eight. Mark chapter number eight. Verse number 36. Mark chapter number eight, verse number 36. The Bible says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Wherefore, therefore, I shall this shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. This generation, all generations, the Bible calls it this worship of other gods, this idolatry. It's what the nation did. They were a whoring after other gods. It was adultery. It was spiritual adultery. And I'm telling you, Santa Claus is the great adulterer. I saw mommy kissing Santa. I'm telling you, if I see that, somebody's going to get punched in the face. Okay? We're going to have a problem. Because I'm not having some fornicating adulterer into my house coming down my chimney messing with my wife. Somebody you just kick him right out of the house, kick him right out of town, kick him right out of the whole. I'm telling you, the guy's an adulterer. Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. His parents are crazy. These dads have lost their mind. Why would you bring some fat guy in with a red suit to kiss your wife? You kids are laughing. You think it's funny. These songs are ridiculous. I don't know. We could need to go home and start kissing our wives more. Man. <laughs> I don't want Santa to come in. We'll be lying awake now on December 24th. With a shotgun. <laughs> Wife turns over and says, Honey, why is the gun loaded? Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> why are you out in the street pacing? I'm <laughs> oh, just going to fire a few rounds, that's all. <laughs> Telling the devil wants to damn your soul to hell. He would like nothing better 
and to get your eyes off of Christ and onto somebody or something else. And I'm not going to be a part of being Satan's little helper. Bible says, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. It's amazing to me. You know, we, we put this thing out on Facebook. They come and, you know, we're, we're going to uh, show you what man does and how he changes the glory of God. And we, we had a picture of an idol. That's what man does. And it didn't go over too well on the Internet. I'm thinking as I'm preparing this message, I said, you know what? Christians get upset at that. They don't read and they don't get the context. And I know that they're not in my head and I'm not in their head. But they'll get upset at that. Yet they will have no problem ushering in another pagan and saying that it's fine. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I hope that you see that the counterfeit is Santa Claus. In every, every single way. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.